Hello, friends. It's Ann West, Executive Director of the Island Health and Wellness Foundation. We are back with another episode of the Just for the Health of It podcast. The following is a conversation that I had with Daniel, Danielle Cotu. Oh, my goodness, I already messed up your name. I'm going to ask you to clarify that first question. Um, Danielle, I do know I have that part right, is a registered nurse and serves as the regional coordinator of the SANE program. And that's an acronym. We're going to talk more about that. This program is administered by the University of New England School of Nursing and Population Health. As usual, um, nothing we say today is intended to serve as any sort of medical or healthcare advice. It is just for educational purposes, and we always have fun. I do want to give my listeners a quick trigger warning, though. We will be talking extensively about the, on the topic of sexual assault today. So I would just ask all of you to please listen with care. So first, welcome, Danielle. Tell my listeners, first of all, how to pronounce your last name correctly <laughs> and uh, all about yourself and your backgrounds. Sure. Yes. Thank you for having me. Uh, my last name is French Canadian. What can I say? So I go by Danielle. She, her pronouns, and it's uh, Kutu. So I was born in Canada and is a, I'm a resident here in Maine and I love it. Um, lo- love being here. So uh, yeah, my program title or my, uh, my role is regional coordinator for the University of England Advanced Nursing Education Sexual Assault Nurse Examiner Program, which is a mouthful and we will talk about it in a little bit. <laughs> um, but uh, so I'm a forensic nurse um, and my primary role in my work is to recruit and train and retain forensic nurses across the state of Maine. Um, and our program also provides education to healthcare organizations, educational institutions, and other groups about the care of the survivor of sexual violence in a healthcare setting. And we work collaborative, co- collaboratively with the State of Maine SAFE program. Um, so I practice clinically in the emergency department at St. Joseph Hospital as both an emergency department nurse and a forensic nurse, and they have a very comprehensive uh, SAFE program. Um, and I really uh, appreciate that work there as well. Uh, so my work started in 2018. Um, I was employed at the emergency department at Northern Light Eastern Maine Medical Center and was strongly encouraged slash voluntold to attend this 40 hour training. Um, that's the SAFE course, a very foundational uh, course that speaks to the care of the survivor. Um, and I, at that time fell in love with this nursing specialty and the nature of the work and have been engaged ever since. So I'm credentialed as a sexual assault forensic examiner uh, for both the adult, adolescent and pediatric population for the state of Maine. And then I'm also a sexual assault nurse examiner, a board certified for both adult, adolescent and pediatric for the International Association of Forensic Nurses. Wow. That is a lot and so important. Um, And I know this is a very serious subject, but I do have to point out that you have just given me my new favorite word in the whole world, and that is voluntold. (laughs) I've never heard that before. I love it. I will definitely use that from here on out. So let's break down a little bit of, of what you do and the programming around sexual assault. I mentioned it in the outset when I was introducing you, but what does SANE stand for? So that's S-A-N-E, and what does the program do? Yes, so SANE stands for Sexual Assault Nurse Examiner, and oftentimes we use uh, SAFE, a different acronym, interchangeably, and that stands for Sexual Assault Forensic Examiner. 
sometimes that's particular to the type of credentialing or certification that you have. I really like the term forensic nurse um, because we know that sexual violence is not specific to only sexual assault. It includes domestic violence, child abuse, strangulation, and a personal violence. And so I like forensic nurse as the term when we're speaking to this. Um, so as a SANE for the University of New England, my role is to, it is typically revolved around education, talking about what forensic nurses do for a patient who presents to the emergency department uh, that's reporting sexual violence and what a medical forensic examination looks like. And then as a bedside nurse or a clinical practicing forensic nurse, I'm employing all those different interventions and uh, serving the patient that's in front of me. Excellent. So why is the idea of trauma-informed care important? Uh, so the care that is trauma-informed uh, really uplifts and acknowledges the experience of individuals. Um, specifically for my work as a forensic nurse, I see trauma-informed care in practice as walking a alongside someone who has experienced violence and offering care and services that are appropriate and patient-centered. Um, and I, I very much honor that person in front of me uh, in, the, in that setting. And my goal of trauma-informed care is to promote patient empowerment through choice, consent, and the reduction of re-traumatization. Um, I think it's so important. It, I don't know if trauma-informed care is kind of becoming like a, a catchword or, um, you know, we're hearing more and more often, which is amazing, but it's really critically important that victim service providers uh, prioritize and incorporate trauma-informed principles in their practice. So advocates, rape crisis coalitions, people that are in tune to the care of the individual that's reporting sexual violence are really good at this. Um, and I, I would implore that more healthcare systems across Maine um, prioritize the same. Excellent. And it is such a big deal when you say things like trauma-informed care really takes choice into consideration um, because that person is in front of you because things were done to them that were not their choice and their ability to have control over their own body and what happens to it has been taken away. Um, so certainly in the way that we all provide care to that person, we would want to be very careful not to further limit the choice or to further the trauma by doing things to them and with their bodies um, without their consent. And, and that's a really deep subject and it really makes all the difference, I think, in the healing process from, from what I've heard around this type of care. So that kind of leads into the next question. How does having sane, trained, first responders, medical personnel, nurses, et cetera, benefit the whole community? Uh, I really love this question because it addresses the importance of combating sexual violence as a community to benefit the community. You know, one person, one group can't solve this, pro this public health crisis alone. Um, it really does take a village. And so each group whether uh, an ambulance crew, um, a nurse, a physician, registration, law enforcement, attorney, staffer, a primary care office, uh, they all intersect with survivors in a different setting. And so being in tune to their needs 
um, their supports and the services available is not only crucial to the needs of that population, but I think the personal knowledge and awareness uh, that individuals, that the providers hold speaks volumes to the community. And it, it speaks that members of our community are taking sexual violence seriously and taking steps to address it and stand against it. Absolutely. And I think it makes no matter what area of work we deal with the public or or approach this issue, keeping it in mind, it, it's so important in terms of there's so much that we do automatically, I guess is what I'm saying, that we've just been trained to do, especially in healthcare, because it is very, for instance, uh, very private and HIPAA privacy is a huge concern. So if I have someone walk into my office and they want to talk to me about health things, my first reaction is going to be to shut the door. And I shut that door because I want to protect what they're saying and their privacy. But at the same time, if I'm dealing with someone who has been a victim of sexual assault, shutting that door may be a trigger and it may make them feel extremely unsafe. So I always try to remember that I don't necessarily know the history of the people that I'm dealing with. So I need to go that extra step and ask, is it okay if I shut the door? Um, because that really affords them the dignity of having that choice. hundred percent. And that goes back to your last point too, about talking about consent and all those little things are trauma-informed practices. And they may take mean that you're visit is a little longer, but they're just so important to be integral to your care. I think asking someone permission to close the door or permission to put my hands on a patient or just to offer um, interventions based on what I know would be appropriate that are evidence-based and based on my specialized training, but honoring that they will elect what they feel is right for them. I think those are all really important things. Um, and yeah, the discretion um, and care involved with the with someone that has experienced sexual violence. Absolutely. So it's obvious that you love your work, even though it's hard work. It's hard physically, mentally, emotionally. Um, but what what part of it do you enjoy the most? Um, so I feel like the the part that I like the most is that I'm doing important work. Um, and I'm doing good work. And that means a lot to me. You know, community care is really sacred. And it's one way that I can serve humanity in this little life that I have, you know. Um, and I like working alongside others that feel the same way and uh, that together we can make a difference. And it is challenging at times, but it's also very rewarding. Uh, the other thing that I really enjoy about my, my job is that Forensic nurses are a particular group, you know, emergency department nurses are a particular type of people. And so through my, um, through different places of employment and being involved with other forensic nurses, I've really developed some amazing friendships. And uh, so that, that I really feel like is a blessing and um, has uh, fulfilled my life in many ways. So it's both the personal and the professional uh, wins in this role. I love that so much. I love the thought that that you all hang out after work too. I, I just think that's amazing. Yeah. So if there's such a thing as a typical day in your current job, what does that look like for you? 
Sure. In my role at the University of New England, every day really is different. Um, so say, for example, last week, um, I was a, um, a participant or an audience member, a, a, a registrant at the forensic nurse conference that was in Dallas. And that was amazing because I, it was very rejuvenating and I learned a lot of things. Um, something like today is involved, you know, meeting community members and talking about our work. Um, it, it can be a lot of education um, to both nurses that are onboarding in the specialty and organizations um, that are interested in doing better um, in the care of the, the individual that's experienced sexual violence. So a lot of it is education in this role. And I, I like that because I could talk about, you know, the uh, survivors and the, you know, combating rape culture every day because it's, it's really important. Um, in my role as a, a clinical nurse, as a practicing nurse at the hospital every day is so different. Sometimes I'm on call, sometimes uh, I provide uh, services to someone who's experienced sexual violence or uh, a pediatric patient or someone who's engaged in a domestic violence relationship or that is being act actively trafficked. It's all very different, but the objectives for any of those individuals is just to empower them and provide uh, medical treatment and care and also connect them with community resources and address any needs that they may have. Absolutely. And I just, I love how all of that is done with the goal of preserving dignity and really honoring them for being what they are, which is survivors. We are right. not talking victims here that yes, things happen to them, but they survived it and that you get to help them celebrate that little, that win. And it's a huge win. It's not a little win. Huge, um, yeah. And then move forward to what their next chapter of their life looks like. So that that's incredible. Um, has anything surprised you about the work that you do? I thought about this question for a long time. Um, <laughs> and I would, I would say that the thing that the thing that surprises me the most is that I wasn't prepared for the reaction when I tell people about my views or the nature of my work. Um, and a common response is, I, I could never, I could never do that. And my organic inclination is that it's completely necessary that we do um, in some capacity, and particularly for those in healthcare and healthcare systems. Um, you know, help me fight rape culture, learn and implement trauma-informed care, engage bystander intervention, and learn about organizations that serve your community. Um, and maybe that's because at times I feel like a little hint of defeat when we think about how pervasive sexual violence is in our communities and how much work we have in front of us um, as nurses and community members and healthcare organizations and how impacting and important it is. Uh, for a community to take a stand against it um, and to do that well and to not be siloed as groups or individuals. And um, so I would always, I, you know, I would empower listeners to be involved in, in some capacity and to serve others or yourself. And, and I'm so thankful for that because I was just in another meeting this morning, we were having a conversation and we were talking about being women runners and how when you're running outside as a woman, there are so many thoughts that you're processing at any given moment just because of the culture of this society. So um, did that car just slow down? Is this the second time I've seen that car? Um, am I running in a place that's well lighted? 
Um, where is my phone at all times? Um, it's, it's amazing how even if we have nothing to do with healthcare for our jobs or um, we don't, you know, we don't work in a hospital or for a healthcare system, this idea of safety, sexual assault, it touches all of us in some way. And it could just be through our choice of recreation. Um, for me, that has been completely eye-opening. When I talk to men who run, they, their mind is not full of the same things that my mind is full of when I'm running. Um, and to me, that just means that we have a lot of work to do. And mm. I'm so thankful to organizations like yours, people like you, because I do think we can move that dial. I think we have moved that dial in terms of awareness, even since I was in college. Um, and I just, I look so forward to seeing as we continue to move it, where, where we go with that. Um, but it just, it's incredible to me how many facets of life that idea touches because it, it's something that we all think about in one way or another, even if it's just bringing our groceries to the parking lot to put in our car, if we choose to grocery shop at night, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, definitely. Even at this conference that I attended last week, anytime we would take an Uber ride, I'm sharing my ride with, you know, sharing that, uh, yes. that trip with someone who's not with me. So they know where I am at all times. It's all those little things and, and, and we could go on. Yes, absolutely. There's so many examples, <laughs> but literally we were just talking about running safety this morning. So that yeah. is, and, and the Uber thing comes up all the time, even though in rural Maine, I, we're not taking Ubers. We're all traveling again because COVID hopefully is finally on the back end and the world is opening up and we, we need to remember all of these safety, safety things. Yes. Um, so if I have listeners who are either as individuals or as organizations thinking, I really need to connect with Danielle. I need to learn how we get, how we take advantage of these educational opportunities, um, how I can advocate for my local hospital system to become more involved. Um, how do they reach you to hear more? Yes, please reach out to me. That's, um, you know, again, one of my primary roles is to ensure that um, there are forensic nurses available in, friends, in emergency de departments across the state, A, and that B, that there's the education and awareness about sexual violence that exists. And so um, I'll, the best way probably to reach me is through email, and um, that's dkutu at une.edu. And we are happy to provide free of charge education to your staff. Um, it can be anywhere from an hour to four hours or more. We can break it up in various sessions. Sessions. We're just super flexible because we know that it's important, and so we want to meet you where you are to uh, share the education and awareness to help um, benefit and provide, uh, you know, exceptional care to the to the individual that uh, has survived sexual violence. Excellent, and I will put that information in the show notes as well, so people can awesome. reach out to you. And then um, how can the community best support the work that you do? Um, that's a big question. Um, and it kind of ranges from individual to system, right? But I, first I would speak to the individual and that would be to become involved with something like your local rape crisis coalition or domestic violence group, whether that's a financial contribution or perhaps being engaged as a volunteer. Um, 
developing that awareness of what's available in your communities and the awareness of the needs of survivors and to strengthen your voice to serve, serve those that have experienced sexual violence. Um, and uh, I would say for systems, you know, bringing education into your workplace and um, having a voice that speaks to uh, how you're open to serve survivors and have, you know, the trauma-informed principles and the appropriate training to serve uh, survivors in your community. Excellent. So October is Domestic Violence Month, um, and you will notice at the Medical Center in Stonington, there is a sign out front. And this year's theme for Next Step Domestic Violence Project, which is the domestic violence um, organization that serves our community, is home should be a safe place. Mm -hmm. um, so look for that sign. It's purple. Um, it will be out there all month. The one thing that I want to stress to people, though, is let's not just think of these issues in October. Yes, let's shine a light on them. Let's try to get out more education in October. Let's talk about it. Um, but let's be aware of it all year round, because this is an issue that is directly affecting our community. And it's affecting it every day whether we hear, whether it ever makes a newspaper or not, um, it's something that's a reality. Yeah, so, I love that that is, exists there and not only home, but also our work and healthcare as well, right? Yes, absolutely. Um, Danielle, thank you so much for giving me this time today. I really appreciate it. I know the community appreciates it. Um, we need to learn about these kinds of things. We, it's not just something that you're born knowing um, how to provide trauma-informed care or be a yeah. trauma-informed coworker, mm -hmm. a supportive friend. Um, this, these are things we learn. And so people like you in your positions are really godsends that way because you, you help us um, be better and be better citizens and coworkers, friends and family. Um, I don't want to let you go, though, without asking our typical end of podcast question, and that is, what is bringing you joy right now? Uh, so I uh, I love autumn. It's, uh, you know, my body looks better in layers. I'm loving the change <laughs> of the leaves outside. I, uh, I, I like cool air. And so this time of year naturally brings me joy. Um, I'm reading a really great book. I've had some really great experiences with some friends last week at conference and it's just uh all the all those different I would say those three are all bringing enrichment to my life right now I love that thank you so much for sharing that with us mm -hmm. so I'm gonna let you go but thank you again for all that you do and I look forward to talking with you uh, again maybe in six months or so and just checking in and seeing what what work is being done in the community and and where we can use your services so thank you so much Thank you so much. And for giving me the time on your podcast. I appreciate you so much.